Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bills so I don't dread April every year, producing a balanced budget, not just for football, and saving on travel because spending less on airfares means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money podcast on your favourite podcast app. Future you will thank you. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome back to another live edition of the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football Network. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simiu, and on this edition of the show, we're going to be looking ahead to Arsenal's Europa League clash with PSV Eindhoven. No doubt the standout clash in the group. I can't wait for this one. I'm really, really looking forward to it. I only kind of disappointment in it is that it's a six o'clock kickoff. I mean, what the hell is that about? I was thinking about it earlier today and I was thinking it just, I don't know if that's going to impact the atmosphere. I don't know how much that's going to impact the attendance because there'll be a lot of people that won't be able to get there for 6pm. I know I've got a few friends um, who are sort of really upset about that and annoyed about that and frustrated about that. I'm wondering how they're going to make it work with their commitments at work. Um, so will it impact the attendance? Will it impact the atmosphere? Maybe. Um, but on the plus side, I can do a podcast when I come home and it isn't going to be 11.30 midnight. So I guess, uh, you know, every cloud and all that, um, we'll just try and take the positives. But yeah, in terms of the game itself, this is the one that I've been looking forward to the most in this group. Obviously, this and the away game, uh, which is coming up very, very soon as well. But Arsenal and PSV are by far the two uh, standout clubs um, in this group, Group A. Um, at Arsenal currently sit uh, a couple of points clear of uh, PSV Eindhoven at the top of Group A. And obviously, we've talked about it lots and lots of times. Um, the significance of winning the group this time around is is so big. And, you know, hopefully Arsenal can do that. And you feel like the only side equipped or capable of pipping Arsenal to the top of the group if they can get one over on us in these upcoming games are PSV Eindhoven. So I think, look, obviously avoiding defeat is the priority. But, you know, if we could beat them, we really would put them to bed. We'd be five points clear of, of uh, PSV going into that away game. And then with one fixture remaining, which is at home to FC Zurich, a side that having seen them in the away trip, I'm pretty confident that we can beat. But there are questions going into this one with regards to the fitness of a number of players. Uh, Mikel Arteta has spoken um, ahead of this one. He's given a bit of an update and we'll come on to talk about his press conference in just a minute. Uh, we're also going to talk a little bit about PSV, what they bring to the table, uh, who we should be looking out for. And uh, an old enemy of the Arsenal returns to Emirates Stadium tomorrow. But before we get into all of that, I just want to say if you haven't done so already and you are watching us on YouTube, please do leave a like on the video. Also, make sure you're subscribed to the channel if you're new. It really, really does help. And if you're listening on an audio platform, in particular Apple Podcasts, please, please do leave us a review. OK, let's dive over to the chat. Let's say a few hellos. 
before we dive uh, further into this. Uh, big hello to Clock N Seb, uh, who says, Afternoon, everyone. Delisu is with us. He says, Hi, Harry. Nice to catch you live after a bit of a while. Uh, big hello to Gangle Miklos, who joins us from Hungary. Uh, we've got Johan uh, with us. Clock N Seb actually says he doesn't mind. Uh, the six o'clock kickoff because he's got a three hour journey home. In that case, fair enough. Um, o Session says, Hi, Harry. Second time catching you live. Welcome back to the program, my friend. He says, Love from Indianapolis. Um, Harvey says he's going to go for a 2 2. He thinks this is going to be a difficult game. Uh, Munir uh, says, Hi, Harry. Uh, a fan from Ethiopia. Uh, welcome, my friend. We've got Steve. We've got uh, Asuo. Uh, who joins us as well. Harvey says hit the like button. Make sure you do. Uh, also, hello to Amira, to Ashish, uh, to Paul, uh, to Craig, and to Ayoku as well. Lots of you in the live chat. If I sit here saying hello to everyone, we'll, we'll do nothing else. So I will move on. But thank you uh, very, very much for your support. So as I say, look, this is the standout fixture. Uh, just a couple of points separating these two sides. And I've talked about it before. The significance of winning the group this time around is greater than ever. You know, you move forward to the round of 16. You avoid the round of 32. You avoid a clash with one of the Champions League dropouts. And uh, it's two less games to play in a season that is jam-packed. In a season where we're going to be bemoaning the schedule, I'm sure, uh, very, very soon. If we're not doing that already, because, you know, already um, I thought, at Leeds at the weekend, we we started to see some leggy performances. We started to see uh, players just kind of dropping below the level that we kind of need and require to play our style of football. And as a result, I think we struggled to impose ourselves on a very energetic um, and a very up for it Leeds United, who are only playing one game a week at the moment. So obviously, um, the Europa League is taking its toll. And we keep talking about the team selection going into these games. And I think Mikel has surprised a few people by going so strong in some of these games. But, you know, if he did it against Zurich and he did it against Bodo Glimt, then you have to think he's going to do it against PSV, who, as we've talked about, are a much better side. So we'll come on to the team selection in a minute. But first up, uh, let's go over to um, the press conference. Let's see what Mikel Arteta uh, had to say uh, with regards to a number of uh, different subjects. Obviously, we were due to play at Manchester City. Um, you know, that game was, was supposed to take place this midweek. It's been postponed. We don't know when it's going to be played just yet. Um, so we're going to have to wait and see on that one. But obviously, that was a question that is uh, that is put to Mikel Arteta. He was obviously asked about, I'm, I'm assuming, and I haven't... I've just read the transcript um, from from Mikel Arteta's press conference. So I'm just basing this on, on what we've read. But obviously, he spoke on um, on the, uh, the the fact that we're not playing Manchester City now. And he said, it's what it is. Obviously, the fixtures and the amount of games that we're going to have, we're going to have to play everybody anyway. So Mikel Arteta downplaying um, the fact that that game's been moved. I know a lot of people are looking at it and going, well, it suits Arsenal because they get to stay at the top of the Premier League and they get to, um, you know, have that game in lieu, uh, sort of have that game in hand over everybody else. And, you know, if you don't lose to Manchester City, which I think would be a lot of people's prediction if we came up against them now, then it 
it means that you can maintain the confidence levels. It means that you can keep the momentum going and continue to build on this run of really, really good form. Um, he was also asked about Zinchenko and Martinelli. Now, reports started doing the rounds a little bit earlier on today, saying that Gabriel Martinelli had missed training through a calf problem. That was then cleared up a little bit later on by Charles Watts, who said, actually, the word from Arsenal is that Gabby Martinelli was feeling a little bit under the weather as opposed to having picked up an injury, which is still not good news, but better news, I would say. Um, when asked about Zinchenko and Martinelli, uh, this is what Mikel Arteta had to say. He said, no, they're not pulled out, but we will see tomorrow what we decide. Now, remember, Zinchenko has been out for a while now. He's not been training as far as we know. And this is really frustrating because this is a guy that came into the side, I thought, at the start of the season and had a real instant impact. A guy who helped us to control midfields, who helps us to dominate, and who's been a big part in the way that we found success thus far. But this injury thing, it seems to be ongoing. And, uh, you know, we don't really know the details of it. We know uh, that it's a calf problem. That's what we, we've been told. But Arsenal have been very coy about it. Mikel Arteta has been very coy about it. And you're looking at it and you're thinking, well, we brought Zinchenko in predominantly to help us at left back because we have an ongoing injury issue with Kieran Tierney. And it's just funny how the, the, the coins reversed and or the coins flipped. And you've got Kieran Tierney, who's fit and available. And you've got Alexander Zinchenko, who's not. Now, We'll come on to the team selection, as I said, in a bit. And I'm going to get into the whole Tierney and the left-back debate because it's a debate that's been going on and on and on. Uh, I said to you guys that I'd have picked Tierney at Leeds. I said to you after Leeds that I thought that Tierney would have done a better job just because I didn't think we were able to play around Leeds' press having someone on the left-hand side who was playing with his weaker foot. And I don't care what anybody says to me. I hear it all the time. Tommy Asu is two-footed. He's this, he's that. He is not Santi Cazorla. His technical level is nowhere near that. That's not to say he's bad. And he's probably more comfortable with his weaker foot than most. But it still doesn't mean it's good enough to not impact or affect our rhythm in any way, shape or form. Now, Mikel Arteta has to weigh up whether what he brings defensively, his physical attributes, his athleticism, whether that is worth having and then that trade-off is worth making. And I think he thought that against Liverpool, clearly. He thought that we needed that to deal with Mo Salah and it worked the treat. But it didn't work at Leeds. You have to say that. You have to be honest. Let's continue through uh, the press conference stuff. Um, he was asked about the, the pressure that managers are under. Um, obviously, this was this feels like it was a question that was kind of built around what's been going on with Jurgen Klopp. Who, By the way, can I just say, listen, I... I'm not a Liverpool fan, okay? I'm not a Jurgen Klopp fan. You know, I think the way he treats the media sometimes is is bang out of order. I think at times he's crossed lines in interviews, but I also think his sort of treatment of the officials at the weekend was not acceptable. Not acceptable, in my opinion. And it does send the wrong message, as people have been saying. But there's been a lot of comments going around and a lot of um, people suggesting that his comments were xenophobic and that, you know, he wouldn't have said what he said about Manchester City had the ownership been from somewhere else. And I think that's completely wrong. Um, I think it is so unfair to label people, particularly when they haven't said anything of that nature. And listen, I'm not a Jurgen Klopp fan, but what's right is right. And to be 
painting a picture of uh, of Jurgen Klopp as this xenophobe is is, is wrong. So I, I don't want to go. I don't want to hear people saying that. I think it's nonsense. I really, really do. Um, Mikel was asked about Alexander Zinchenko. I've skipped past that pressure managers are on the bit because I don't think it's that relevant. Uh, but he was asked about Zinchenko's return, uh, and he says. Um, uh, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Um, he said that he'd return before the World Cup. That's what it says on the Football London website. He says, Alexander Zinchenko has been missing for Arsenal since the North London derby, but Mikel Arteta provided an update on the Ukrainian ahead of the game against PSV. He told Football London in the pre-match press conference that the left-back would return before the World Cup. That's not very clear, is it? Um uh what else he was asked about the injury he said it was a recurring uh, calf problem um he was asked what Aaron Ramsdale needs to do to be the England number one and he says he needs to be the best that he can possibly be for us then it's Gareth and his coaching staff who will make that decision so a pretty quick press conference from Mikel Arteta not an awful lot of juice in it today uh, you have to say but um yeah it kind of is what it is look let's go back to the comments and then uh, we will, of course, uh, continue our build-up towards this game. Uh, what have we got? Um, interesting view, interesting take uh, on the Europa League. Razvan says, personally, I would bin the Europa League if we're still top in January, February. I don't know that you can do that, Razvan. I think even in January or February, if Arsenal are sitting pretty at the top of the tree, there's no guarantee that they hold on to that. Um, obviously, the the idea or the objective at the start of the season would have been to get back in the Champions League. I, I totally get that. And maybe you'll feel that, you know, the, the league gives you, um, well, both options give you a way back into it and, and you'll feel like finishing maybe second in the league, even if that is the case, is probably more valuable in your eyes in terms of showing progress than winning the Europa League. But I just love to see Arsenal win a European trophy. So if I, if we finished third and won the European trophy or even fourth and won the European trophy, I'd be very satisfied with the season. I have to say that. A uh, big hello to Moss who joins us. Uh, his view on the team is go strong or go home. Love that. Um, Paul Murphy, uh, one of our members says, evening, Harry, I have a ticket for tomorrow. And normally on a Thursday, I finish work at two, but crap luck. They have given me a busy day. Try and fight it, mate. Try and fight it. Try and get yourself down there. Uh, Steve says, uh, the crowd needs to be up for this one. My only concern is because it's an early kickoff. Many fans will arrive very late having to commute from work. Agree. Uh, really, really do. Uh, what else have we got? We'll come back to the comments in a little bit. So let's talk just quickly about PSV Eindhoven and what they bring to the table. As I mentioned, they're just a point behind Ajax at the moment in the Eredivisie title race. So they're no mugs. They're a strong side. And in particular, the player that people will be looking at is Cody Gakpo. He was linked with a move to Arsenal in the summer. And I know a lot of fans wanted to see that deal done. It wasn't done. And as far as we know, Arsenal never really uh, pushed on that one. They never really tried desperately to make that happen. Maybe there was a bit of a passing interest. Maybe there was an informal conversation. But to my knowledge, there was nothing more than that. And Cody Gakpo has been speaking this week about the fact that he was in conversation with Eric Ten Hag over a potential move to Manchester United. However, that deal failed to materialise also. But 
He's a player that we should be wary of. He's a player that we should look out for and a player who PSV will be hoping is going to cause us some problems. I'll tell you what we'll do. Let's um, let's have a look at the uh, the PSV Eindhoven squad and see if there's any names in there that, that catch our eye. And we'll also, um, of course, uh, look at some of the statistics around some of these guys as well. Now, I've got to admit, my knowledge on Dutch football is not very good, not very strong. Uh, so I'm not going to pretend that it is. So yeah, as much as we're on a live podcast at the moment, we're kind of both or all of us, we're going through a, a learning journey together, shall we say. Let's, um, let me just flip this over. So uh, one second, if I just share the screen with those of you watching, don't worry if you're listening, I will, of course, um, share with you guys uh, what we're seeing as well. So here we go. Uh, the PSV Eindhoven squad. Uh, let's just scroll down. So, um, you know, what? can we zoom in on this? I think we can. There you go. Uh, let's filter it by goals so we can see who the biggest threats are. So obviously Cody Gakpo uh, has been in the squad 18 times this season, 18 appearances, got 13 goals already, and he's managed 11 assists. So he is definitely one to watch out for. Uh, Javi Simmons, uh, as well, is another player who we should be looking out for. He's got 10 goals from attacking midfield and he's got four assists to his name. Uh, Goose Thiel is in the side as well. 24-year-old uh, Dutch player, uh, 18 uh, times he's been in the squad. He's made 14 appearances, seven goals and two assists. Uh, Veerman in central midfield has chipped in as well with six goals and five assists. Ibrahim Sangare is a player that a lot of Arsenal fans wanted to see come in as well. And if you take it on a little bit further, you're looking at people like Anwar El Ghazi um, as a threat. You're talking about, um, you know, even people like Armando Obispo, the central defender, has chipped in with three goals and two assists. So what's evident just from sort of having a quick look at PSV's side and some of the statistics around them so far this season is that they spread the goals around. So while we might all be obsessing over Cody Gakpo and the threat that he brings to the table, actually, they've got a lot. They've got a lot uh, that we need to be worried about. They've got a lot of players that we need to try and keep quiet. Um, and they've got a lot of players that are, are going to be able to hurt us if we're not on top of our game. So this is going to be... Um, yeah, this is going to be an interesting game. I'm sure their supporters will travel in their numbers, as Dutch supporters tend to do. Um, I think back in years gone by, you know, they've always brought big numbers uh, to Emirates Stadium. And I'm sure they'll, um, you know, I'm sure they'll play a part in the atmosphere as well. Which is going to be interesting. Um, Delisu says, uh, wasn't Gakpo close to signing for Leeds? He was. Uh, that's correct. Uh, he was close uh, to signing for Leeds United, but obviously uh, that deal didn't go through. Um, seems as well that he uh, he was in talks with Man United as well. You know which one he would have picked, no doubt about that. Um, what else have we got? Uh, JW says, hey, bud, late joining in, but glad you're on. Great content as always. Gakpo is a big threat. I think at worst we draw this. Confident we can top the group, though. Yeah, look, look, but if we did draw this, it wouldn't be the end of the world, right? But obviously, if we win it, it means we could go and lose in Eindhoven and not really have to worry about it because then as long as we got a result or even if results went our way, maybe even before that, we could be confirmed as group winners. So, yeah, a win here would be massive. And I think, you know, we've talked about the team and we've talked about Mikel trying to find that right balance. And I do think, actually, 
um, that this will be maybe the last time he has to go semi-strong. You know, if we get the result that we desire, if we get the three points on the board, then maybe he can make a few more changes when we go to Eindhoven. I think, though, that Mikel Arteta thinks that, you know, continuing to win and the run that we're on and the momentum, I think that he thinks that's key to sustaining the level that Arsenal are currently at. And if Arsenal are going to stay sort of towards the top of the Premier League table, he thinks that it's important. So it's partly because I think he respects the opposition as to why we've gone semi-strong in these games. But I also think it's because he wants to breed that winning habit. And so, you know, maybe even if we did win the group, maybe he still wouldn't uh, make wholesale change. I don't know. It's, it's an interesting one. So what's the team that I would go with uh, going into this game? I do think we need to mix it up. Um, I do think we need to shake it up a little bit, but I think we need to have a core that is at least capable of living with a very decent PSV Eindhoven side. So here is how I would line up. Matt Turner uh, would get the nod in goal. Um, Kieran Tierney didn't play, obviously, not from the start anyway, at the weekend against Leeds. So there's no reason why he shouldn't start this game. But this comes back into what I was talking about with Tierney and Tomiyasu the other day, that, you know, the natural order of rotation is like you play kind of every other game if you're going to be rotated with someone. And it's just unlucky for Tierney that he obviously missed out on Liverpool which then meant he played against Bodo Glimt, which then meant he was probably not sharp or the sharpest to play against Leeds um, and so was left out of that game. But now is, is probably going to be ready to come in and, and play in this one. And so the order of things has just worked against Kieran Tini. At some point, if you want to break that, he's got to play a couple of games in a row. Uh, but at the moment, I don't know that Mikel Arteta is willing to take that risk with his fitness given that it's been an issue for us for a long, long time now. So Matt Turner in goal, back four for me of Tierney, Holding, Saliba and White. I don't think you can afford to piss around with the back line too much. And listen, Gabriel, for me, as good as he's been and as much as I like him and as much as I've defended him in recent days when he's been on the receiving end of a lot of criticism, I have to say that think he probably does need to be taken out the firing line. So Saliba would be the one of the two regular centre-backs that I play. Uh, my midfield would be Lokonga, Xhaka and Vieira. Um, I think you need the sturdiness, the stability that Granite Xhaka or Thomas Partey bring. And Xhaka is the more robust. He's the one I have the least concerns about from a fitness perspective. And so I think it makes sense to play Granite Xhaka. Um, it just ahead of Lokonga and with uh, Fabio Vieira to come in and replace Martin Odegaard. Now, I probably would have gone Martinelli, Enketia, and Nelson as the front three. But because of the fact that Martinelli is ill, is a little bit under the weather, I think we should probably opt for Bukayo Saka. In an ideal world, I don't want to play any of them. But do I think a front three of Nelson and Ketia and Marquinhos, for example, is good enough? I don't. I think it needs a boost. I think there needs to be at least one top, top player in there and one major threat. Even with just Saka in there, I look at that. Saka and Ketia and Nelson as my front three, and I still think it's poor. I still think it's a little bit below par, and it still concerns me. But yeah, um, you know, we'll have to see if Martinelli's available as well. Does that change things? But given that he's under the weather, and given what we know at the time of recording, I'd probably go with Saka 
uh, out of the two. And you're going to have to rely on Vieira uh, to give you that little bit of uh, creative spark and to get forward and help out and join in the attack and, and hopefully uh, cause PSV a few problems. But that's the side that I would go with. So let me just run that uh, through once more for those of you listening on audio. Turner, White, Saliba, Holding and Tierney, Laconga, Vieira, Xhaka, Nelson, Enketia and Saka. Marquinhos, is there a shout for Marquinhos? Well, I would have played Marquinhos, but I wasn't impressed with him at home to Bodo Glimp. I didn't think he played very well. And I thought Mikel Arteta taking him off when he did indicated to me that he too wasn't entirely happy with uh, with Marquinhos's performance on the night. I just wonder if he's fallen a little bit down the pecking order off the back of that. Do I think there's much difference though between him and Nelson? I don't. I don't. I know there are a lot of Arsenal fans out there that think that Reese Nelson is is great and that this is his coming of age and this is when he's going to show everybody that he can step up and be an Arsenal player and a real key cog in the Gunners' machine. But I just don't see it. I haven't seen enough yet. I still need to be convinced. Um, and I guess these Europa League group games give him the opportunity to do that. But you do feel like it's probably the last opportunity. Okay, uh, in terms of a prediction for this one, I'm going to go for a 2-0 Arsenal win. I think we will be able to keep PSV at bay if we go with the team that I've picked because I think it's a strong back line with a strong midfield in front of it. Um, my worry would be, are we able to find the back of the net? Do we have enough up front? Do we have enough cutting edge? Do we have enough potency in that front three to get the job done? I think we'll just about have enough. So I'm going to go for a narrow Arsenal win. I'm going to go Arsenal 1, PSV 0. That is my prediction for this one. Okay, just a couple of other stories that I want to touch on uh, before I love you and leave you. I wanted to touch on the recent comments uh, from Albert Sambi Lakonga. Uh, there's been a lot of debate around this uh, because Lakonga uh, has been speaking out about his lack of game time, about how he's felt at certain points during his Arsenal career how he's felt with regards to his uh, international prospects. He's obviously disappointed that he feels going into the World Cup. He's not in contention for a place in the squad. This is what he had to say. Um, so he's been talking about a lack of uh, game time for both club and country. Uh, he was called up by Belgium for the March friendlies against the Republic of Ireland and Burkina Faso, but didn't feature in any of those games and was left out of the squad altogether. And the midfielder has made it clear that he's not impressed with this situation uh, with the national team and told coach Roberto Martinez as much. Uh, this is what Laconga said. He said, I called him the day after the international match in March. I was really pissed off. I thought for a moment that I didn't even want to play for the national team anymore. I was disgusted. He said Martinez said that he preferred players who were playing regularly at their club. He was also not completely satisfied with my training. I don't think that he can portray me as a bad boy who doesn't work hard. It would be too easy to put up such a picture of me. He can't use something like that to justify why I don't get to play. He also spoke about losing his patience with Mikel Arteta at the end of last season. This is what the Belgian had to say. At the end of last season, I almost snapped. I called my agent to ask him if staying at Arsenal was a good idea. He comforted me in my choice, even though I know I need to start more to develop. So it's really interesting because the way this story was packaged up 
and rolled out into the media was as though Sambi Lakonga had sat down, given an interview and told the world that he was pissed off with Mikel Arteta. The phrase pissed off was not used in relation to the Gunners boss. It was used in relation to his frustrations with Roberto Martinez, the Belgian coach. Look, I'd love for Sambi to break into the Belgian squad. I'd love for him to be a big part of that. It would give him an incredible confidence boost and it would up the value of a player that we've invested a decent amount of money in. But at the same time, can we hand on our hearts say that when Sambi has played in the last couple of seasons that he's taken the game by storm? No, he hasn't. Um, he's been good at times. There have been good performances, but there have been some shaky ones as well. Um, I, I say it all the time. The drop off between him and Partey is huge. And I'm not expecting Sambi to be as good as Thomas Partey. I'm not expecting him to come in and be an equal to a player who's far more experienced, who's played at a much higher level for a much longer period of time. My expectations of him are not unrealistic at all. And I still hope and I still believe, actually, that he can go on and improve and be someone that is a very valuable asset to this side. But the question I'm asking myself when I read these comments is, has he done enough for Roberto Martinez's snub to be an injustice? No, he hasn't. Has he done enough for Mikel Arteta to be confident that he can come in and play far more regularly and start in that position and do a job close enough to the one that Thomas Partey does in order to help us win football matches? No, he hasn't. And you have to be honest about that. And Lokonga has to be honest with himself. Now, obviously, you want to have self-belief as a player, and it's an important thing. But there's self-belief and there's delusion, right? And I'm not saying that Sambi himself is deluded, but I think what Sambi needs to do here is take a breath, step back out of the limelight and go over this in his own mind and, you know, keep these conversations in-house. I don't think he's done his chances of, you know, working his way in under Roberto Martinez any favours by saying what he said. And I don't think Mikel Arteta will be looking at those comments and thinking, yeah, you know, that's a, a good mature lad and and that's the, the kind of attitude that I want. There was also a little bit as well, wasn't there, in the Amazon doc where Sambi Lakonga sort of voiced his, uh, his discontent at not getting much game time. And I remember, was it Eddie Nketiah that said something to him? It said something like, you know, you're not the only one that plays. Like, sorry, you're not the only one that doesn't play. And, you know, that was the kind of first thing of that that we saw from Sambi. Now this... Just starting to question his attitude a little bit. Like maybe it's not even questioning his attitude, right? Because I, I think any player who believes in themselves would feel the way that he does. What I am questioning is his, I don't even want to say professionalism, but judgment in the decision he's taken to put this in the public eye. I don't think he should be doing that, if I'm being completely honest. Uh, just quickly as well, uh, obviously, since we last spoke, uh, Karen Benzema won the Ballon d'Or. Fully deserved. Um, you know, he's been sensational for Real Madrid. Ever since Cristiano Ronaldo left, there's always been this narrative around Benzema. Well, look, he's finally come out of his shadow. No, Karen Benzema has been a great player for years. And the kind of stars have aligned with Cristiano Ronaldo dropping off, Lionel Messi not having a great last season at Paris Saint-Germain. The door was open for somebody to come in and win the Ballon d'Or. It was going to be him or Lewandowski, but I just think the timing of it has helped Karen Benzema. And obviously, Real Madrid's Champions League achievements last season have been huge 
in this and uh, and hence why he's won it, but fully deserved. I don't think anybody can begrudge him of that award. He's been sensational uh, for a long, long time now. Another story I just wanted to quickly touch on is the one with regards to the managerial position at Wolverhampton Wanderers. Now, there was talk over the last uh, week or so that Nuno Espirito Santo could be returning to the club, but it seems that the West Midlands club have turned their attentions to Queen's Park Rangers' Mick Beale. Um, I spoke to Mick Beale earlier in the season, maybe three or four weeks ago now, which is why I have an opinion of this. I've covered two of Queen's Park Rangers' games this season. I really enjoy the football they play uh, with Chris Willock and Elias Chair in the attacking positions. There's a lot of flair in that QPR side at the moment, who currently sit in a playoff position. They're punching above their weight, you have to say. And Mick Beal's done a fantastic job so far. I think he's been there for, what, 14 league games? It's not a lot. Um, so, you know, it's a small sample size. But just spending some time with him post the Stoke match and talking to him, I think he's one of those people that you you can just tell straight away is a good man manager, has... Um, away with words, is a, is a likeable guy, is going to get people on side, um, you know, on that basis. But also just looking at or listening to some of his answers to some of his questions, uh, you know, or sorry, listening to some of his answers to the questions put to him, I should say, you can tell that the guy's incredibly intelligent. One of those bright young coaches that you think could go a long way. But if I was Mick Beal, I'd be apprehensive about this. Now, on the one hand, a Premier League club comes in greater resource than what is available at Queen's Park Rangers. And the opportunity to manage in the big time is one that very few are able to turn down. However, he started something at QPR. It's a really exciting project at QPR. The football's great. It's enjoyable. The mood around the place is brilliant. They're in with a shout of making at least the playoffs this season. Would I jump ship that quickly if I was Mick Beal? Like, on the one hand, the opportunities come along and he's probably thinking, I've got to take this. It's kind of one of those things like, you know, grab it, seize the moment because you don't know when the next one will come along. I get all of that. If I were a QPR fan, I'd be devastated. I'd be really upset about this. But should he take the job out? I don't know. I, I really don't know. I, I really don't know. It's a hard one. Interesting to see how how far this goes. Obviously, Wolves uh, are said to have identified him as their number one target. So what's that going to look like in terms of how far do they go in terms of financial packages, et cetera, et cetera? And will Mick Beal turn around to Queen's Park Rangers and go, guys, thank you, but I kind of want to go. It's going to be interesting because they've put a lot of faith in him. They took a leap of faith. You know, Mick Beal hasn't managed prior to QPR. He's been an assistant, he's been a coach, and he's got a great reputation on that basis. But, you know, as a manager, he's still new. He's relatively new to the game. And although what we've seen in the first 14 games has been primarily encouraging, it is just 14 games. So I'm interested to see whether, A, he takes the job, and B, if he does, how he fares there. Because... Wolves is a very different place. It's going to be a lot more pressure at Wolves. Um, and the Premier League is a totally different animal. But hey, we'll see. OK, uh, going to leave it there. Thank you all so, so much. Uh, we'll be back 
post PSV with a post-match reaction video from Emirates Stadium. And then later on in the evening, when I get back, uh, we will do a live podcast uh, in which we'll uh, dedicate plenty of time for your questions and thoughts on the game as well. Don't forget to leave a like on the video. If you are watching uh, on YouTube, don't forget to subscribe if you're on YouTube, but also don't forget to leave us a review if you're listening on a podcast platform. We're climbing up the soccer podcast charts. I had a little peek today. I haven't looked for ages. I think we were, I'll tell you now. Where is it? 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 Um, 57th in the whole of the UK, just on our audio. That's nothing to do with YouTube, just audio, which is pretty cool. Like a lot of the big podcasts will look at that and go, 57th, who cares about that? But for me, that's a big deal, man. Like So yeah, very proud of that. And uh, thank you guys for tuning in because without you, uh, it wouldn't uh, be the case. So thank you all so, so much. I will uh, love you and leave you. On to tomorrow, the game against PSV Eindhoven at Emirates. Don't forget, it's a 6 p.m. kickoff. Don't let it catch you out. Uh, I'll catch you all after the game. Until then, take care of yourselves. Stay safe. All the best. Come on, you guys. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.